Soul Sense Podcast, and we are back for another one. Um, this is Kim here, and of course, I have my wingman, Melvin. Say hello, Melvin. Hello. And we are just thankful that you guys have decided to stay on this journey with us. And so we're just going to go ahead and uh, just get into it. So, Melly. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm doing well. Um, had a, a little bit of a exciting kickoff to my week on Sunday. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. Um, so, guys, I uh, sometimes I, I I think I lack the uh, natural. Uh, what is it? I guess the natural understanding of limita- limitations, my own limit limitations sometimes, and um, I, we had an outdoor service, and uh, I decided to kick a soccer ball around with uh, one of the young guys. Uh, Without his shoes, might I add? Well, see, so I had he some Sperry's that. on, and and I couldn't get good feeling on the soccer ball, mm. you know. That means that you shouldn't have did it. Hmm. <laughs> so, but but I took them off, took my shoes off. We kicking the soccer ball, and you know I was feeling good. You know I was getting good touch. I was like, oh man. And then I think I got a little bit more confident and starting started, you know, jog around with the ball and you know. And then he kicked it, and it. We're at this. Uh, it's in Arlington, Texas, called Veterans Park, and so. Obviously, there's this big monument there. There's a big grass part where we're kicking, and then there's this big monument, and it's got a, you know, it's tiered. So you got this concrete portion that is flush with the grass, and then there's like a probably about a 12 inch, you think, like 12 inch. It's like a step. Riser, yeah. But a, a, a good size step up. And he kicks the ball, and I'd start running. Um, he kicked it onto the concrete part and I start running and, uh, I have bad depth perception anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just clipped that step and I fell and I don't know, the best thing I could say is I bit the concrete mm-hmm. literally like my teeth hit first. So I had like, I have a chip tooth, <laughs> two of them are loose and, uh, there's no no bloody lip or anything so it was just pure teeth hitting the concrete Mm. and uh then i kind of slid along so kicked it so hard it messed my toenails up and i'll i'll I'll, uh spare y'all the gory details Mm. but needless to say i was jacked up and um that wasn't even the most painful part of it uh kimberly saying Kim I was y'all I'm a nurse practitioner and so of course I'm gonna (laughs) clean the wounds and stuff and who would have ever known that rubbing alcohol was Melvin's kryptonite I mean like seriously now wait a minute to be fair you can't just slip rubbing alcohol on somebody no she started out with peroxide it is slipped to rub alcohol Oh me with no warning. No, no. I was I was doing <laughs> wound care. I was doing basic wound care. And this this man up here hollering and yelling. My five year old daughter in my ear talking about you gotta tell daddy it's okay, mommy. You got 
I'm like, if y'all don't sit down somewhere and let me do this. (laughs) But yes. So he, I mean, you want to hear somebody scream, let just throw some alcohol on them, I guess. But yes, it was a whole ordeal on Sunday. And yes. Yeah, definitely a whole ordeal. Uh, But you know, my wife took care of me, even though I'm a, I'm He's the worst the six person. Patient. Yeah, I the am. I am. But uh, yeah, I mean, thank God, man. It was. It's actually, I was very fortunate that my teeth hit the ground instead of my head, cause I, I, I did not. The first thing I, I said something at work, and uh, so I was like, you didn't even try to brace yourself, and I, mean, I just didn't even know what the. I I, rec- I I could feel myself falling, and as I hit the concrete. I was like, no, this, no way. And I just laid there just surprised. But anyway, that was my, that was my kickoff to the week. Well, mine, mine was, was outside of that. It was smooth sailing. (laughs) (laughs) Not much. Outside of that, we had a very low key, low key weekend. Yeah. And, you know, just resting, spent some family time together. You know, it's the summertime. And so trying to make the summer fun for the girls and get us out the house. But other than that, same old, same old everyday rat race. Yeah, You, you had um, talked to me about, uh, you know, kind of, it was, it was kind of ironic after we did the podcast last week, just talking about situational anxiety. And I kind of shared some stuff. Um, a situation I had gone, I had gone through. Um, did you? Uh, and you said you had had a situation with your job. With my job? Are you talking? Okay. Oh, well, I was about to say which one. <laughs> no. Well, okay. So, just give you a little background. I. I'm a family nurse practitioner and I've worked in, you know, a few different settings or whatever, but this current one that I'm in, I've been working for, I guess, I, yeah, I just celebrated my five year anniversary. Ooh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> I just thought about that. Godly, I've been there that long. But anyways, so I think that when you first start your career, at least for me, and as I like kind of look at my friends and other people that I know, I think when you first start your career, you're kind of like learning the ropes. So you're, everything is new to you. Like you're, you're new to the career, you're new to the job and the culture of your, your job. And, and so you're just learning, you know? So, I mean, but then after about two or three years, you get comfortable with the actual job and stuff. And so I think I'm just at a point in my career where I'm trying to just take it to the next level. And honestly, like I'm kind of at a loss at the actual path that I, you know, need to take to do that. You know, I have an interest. My interest is diabetes. I want to specialize in that, but Honestly, like, I don't know how to really go about it. And because of that, that brings me just anxiety about it. (laughs) I mean, just just to be quite frank with you, you know, like, because I am a person who's used to having the answers. I'm a very driven person. 
independent person. So to be here without a loss of words or out without a plan or like even the, like I'm wanting to have a plan, (laughs) but I don't know how. And so I've been kind of dabbling and trying different things and, you know, some stuff hasn't been working out, you know, for me, um, one of my old mentors, which was also a professor of mine, um, gave some advice that I take now. I I use it now, um, with any job that I have, you have to have deal breakers and deal breakers are like, if this is present in this job, the deal is broken. I cannot work this job. And for me, those things are working on the weekends, working at night, doing call. You know, when I was a registered nurse working in a hospital, those were, those things came with the, with the job. It came with the gig. But now that I'm a nurse practitioner, I don't have to do that. Like, that's actually a small population of my colleagues that even do that. So, I mean, you know, so when I, that is a deal breaker for me. And so one of the jobs that I want to stay with the company that I went, but I want to transition into another department. And I guess I got so married to the idea and so married to this department that I, you know, finally a job came open and I'm getting ready. One of my friends told me about it because she, you know, one of my work friends told me and um, I go and I look at the description of it. And what's the first thing that I see? 75% required travel, meaning that I'm going to be away from my family. There's there, that's more than 50%, you know, 75%. Um, you have to be available after hours, all that stuff. And it really just crushed me. I mean, honestly, it really kind of crushed me. And I was like, God, I mean, what do you want me to do? (laughs) I'm like, I thought this was my route, but you know, and so I've been kind of dealing with that still trying to, you know, um, work through that and you know just kind of really I'm really trying to just stay encouraged because meanwhile you know I'm still currently working in my current role and though I do it well you know I'm jaded by it you know I'm ready to move on to something else so trying to really stay motivated and really trying to do it as if I'm working onto the Lord you know I want to be a good representation all around, you know, um, and it's hard, you know, it's hard because when you're not motivated to do something, I mean, for me, I need motivation and inspiration in everything that I do. And my job is no, you know, it's the same thing there. So y'all pray for me. Um, I'm, I'm more encouraged about it. Um, I've gotten some advice from some friends and, you know, um, one of the things that I'm trying to do, um, and I'll end it right here, this segment right here is that just really like giving myself a break. You know, I am only 33. I've only been working in my field for not even seven years, you know, and, um, I, I feel as if I need to be further along, but I forget that I'm still very, very new in my, my career. And, it's okay to like explore, you know, and that's new for me. Yeah. Cause I always got, Melvin can tell you, I always got a plan for the plan and I have a plan for that plan. And yeah. so, so I, I'm just trying to figure it out. You know, I don't have no answers, but I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. I, I think that's, 
and I, I think it was good to just kind of share that story because, you know, you know, on the last podcast we talked about things and it's, it, these aren't, you know, these aren't things that we are just over, man. Like every day we got to kind of work to handle things better, you know, work to making sure that we are, um, focused in it's, it's, and you know, most of the time for me, I, I don't handle it the best way on the first pass, just to be honest. Um, I have to recalibrate and get advice and, um, sometimes it takes me a minute to get advice. I was talking yesterday. We had a couple over sharing with us and, um, uh, you know, just kind of, we have a, a mentoring relationship with them and, um, it really kind of felt like it was, uh, the Melvin show. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and it, it does a lot of times, you know, um, and when it comes to, you know, and, and we kind of were talking about just a wide variety of things, family relationships, a bunch of stuff I won't, you know, get into now. I'll share at some other point in time, but just a lot of stuff that, that I, I struggle with, man. And I, um, gosh, man, I, I can just get, uh, you know, just seeing like I could get just really, uh, I, and to me, I feel like it's just being like lazy you know, even tonight, um, not really feeling like getting up here and, and doing a podcast or, you know, just feeling blah, like not motivated to do a lot of things. So for me, I'm trying to parse that out, figure out where, where, what is laziness? What is, you know, is there something else going on? And I got some good advice, um, from, from the, the wife and she was kind of, saying just, you know, find that, you know, actually both of them, you know, we like to concentrate on the things that we're good at um, instead of really working on on honing those areas that we're weaker in, and that's where Satan attacks. And she was telling me to just kind of find out, like, what is it that that, that is kind of irking me that, I, that I'm just seeing as like a hole in my life um something character wise um have you thought about that like have you kind of thought about what those were yeah i don't know i think i mean for me i do feel like it's it's laziness um or maybe but you know i'm still trying to pick it out like Mm. is it lazy or is it something else going on that's kind of making me not feel motivated you know making me not feel um driven you know um and it's yeah so I'm just trying to figure that out um you know I'm still accomplishing things and moving but um yeah so yeah anybody y'all pray for me on that for sure just to kind of try to make some steps man but I know the biggest thing is I need to um just fight to get closer to God and and just make more effort in that. Um, and that just has to be the, the start. Um, and it kind of leads us into kind of our conversation that we really wanted to have today. Um, uh, Kimberly actually 
wrote a blog over um, at church. We're doing um, lessons over David. And this Sunday, or, or I guess past Sunday, we, uh, Sunday before last? Mm, yeah, it was a couple of Sundays. It's last Sunday, last Sunday. No, it was two Sundays back. So we just had the park started. That's this Sunday. No, this Sunday is the one coming up. That's next Sunday. No, it's not. Okay, y'all see what I got to deal with. Listen, but, Sunday is okay. the first day it's of the week, world. right? I'm just a squirrel trying to get a nut. It's you your know. world. No, just hear me. Is Sunday the first day of the week? It's your world, man. No, it's your I'm just world. Asking, is it? I'm just saying it. Just let I'm me just know. I'm just saying it. Okay. okay. Whenever it was. Whenever it was. <laughs> so uh, we talked. We had a lesson over. Uh, uh, of course, the the theme, uh, the the series is David, but um, we had a lesson over Saul. It was really focused on Saul, and it was called How to Lose a Kingdom. Um, and it was, it was really good. Um, and, and this is something that I've thought about a lot. Um, David is probably my favorite character in the Bible, my favorite, uh, uh, person in history, um, in terms of like, it's, it's a, it's somebody who I can relate to, um, not necessarily for all the good reasons, but, uh, just somebody I can relate to, um, just in terms of being a flawed person who you know just trying to get it right you know what I mean that's how I feel about with David um I feel he's very relatable but um you know one thing the thing that kind of led me on on studying out David ever was just this idea that you know like the Bible calls him a man after God's own heart and that's what what led me to to even start to think about David and so I started reading Samuel, um, and then I started reading the Psalms and then just trying to figure out what Psalms, like the Psalms that were written by David, why did he write them? Like, what were they in response to? And it really just, for anybody, I, I strongly suggest it. I'm actually going to do it again. Um, but cause I mean, cause that was a few years ago when I did that, but, um, you know, it just really opened up a lot about about David. I still can't say I know what being a man after God's own heart 100% means, but um, I know that it is revealed through kind of the way David handled things. Um, and I think we can kind of start it out uh, by by maybe just touching base on on Saul, really. What do you think, Kim? Yeah, um, just like, you know, like we've stated in like past podcast episodes, you know, we want to encourage everybody to read the scriptures for yourself. So you're never going to see us sit here and read probably any passage in its entirety. We'll probably pull out certain verses. So we're going to give y'all some references with the hope that you'll go and study it out and read it out for yourself and, you know, use this episode and any other episode that we have to kind of be kind of like a study tool or just like a conversation piece for yourself, you know, like, like you're having a conversation with us. So we do want to give you the references of where we're taking from, because we're really going to try to like paraphrase this. And, but we do want you guys to know what our, the background is so you know so we can move it on along so the story of David and Saul really starts in Samuel it starts in Samuel first Samuel 
And um, this last sermon that our evangelist Mark did, he, though the series is called The Life of David, it's for David, you know, Saul is a big part of David's life. So he really focused a lot on Saul and the contrast of the two men, you know? And so you start, I would say, start in chapter eight, because that is when Israel demands a king. So little background up until that point, the people, the, the governing voice for this nation of Israel were judges. Okay. So there were people who were appointed, who were basically the ones that you would bring your issues to them and they would decide, you know, decide on matters or whatever. Well, um, Israel, because they lived near other nations that had kings, they got to a point where they felt like they needed a king and God, their prophet was Samuel. And so God spoke with Samuel and told them, well, if that's what they want, I'll give it to them, but it's not really what they need. And of course you'll see all that outlined in the chapter and then boom, the first king of Israel was Saul. And, uh, you know, he was a, a great man. The scripture even like refers to him as like a, a very striking man, a man that was tall, that was pleasing to the eye. And he started out very humble. Keyword started out, you know. And, and you can find that in uh, 1 Samuel 9. You can kind of see a description of, of what kind of guy Saul was. Yeah. And so you start there and then you Go on up to about, I want to say, I think it's chapter 16, where David and Saul, their lives intersect. And you see where they first meet each other. And that's even before David, uh, he killed Goliath, because that's a couple of chapters over. But the, the book itself pretty much gives you the background. So that's all of 1 Samuel, which is about, I think, 31 chapters. Um and so it, you can see the whole dynamic of their relationship. And so that's kind of, that's where we're going to start. Yeah. Um, and, and again, you know, I, I would suggest just kind of reading over first Samuel, um, reading over first and second Samuel, honestly, um, to kind of get the, the whole, the whole picture. But, um, the thing that, uh, you know, Mark really focused on this week again, like I said, was was talking about Saul's life. And, um, you know, that's kind of what we want to do today, but really kind of compare and contrast Saul and David because, you know, we tell stories. I mean, you people who don't even necessarily ever read the book before I ever picked up the Bible or, or took any interest in it. I knew about David, you know, I knew about, I knew David was a great man. Um, I didn't necessarily know about the man after God's own heart stuff, but I mean, I could at least get an idea that, that David was a great King. Um, David and Goliath, David I mean, and I Goliath. Every child, yeah. It's like a childhood story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so kids, you know, we all learn about David coming up, but, I can't say that I really knew who Saul was until Mm-mm. until um, I was an adult, probably, and really started to look at the 
the scriptures for myself. I think I actually thought Saul was Paul. Yeah. <laughs> the friend in the New Testament. Yeah. I didn't know there was another Saul. <laughs> yeah. It, you got to think, like, why is that? Like, yeah. what? why is that? You know, and, and I, that, that's a question I ask myself because, again, like, I start, you know, David is a man after God's own heart. I reckon that's what, what we all kind of want to get to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And why, why don't, what, what is it, what's the difference between David and Saul? Was Saul just super evil? Because we know like David was the person who, who replaced Saul when Saul was, you know, uh, was, uh, we call it denied or, uh, rejected. Um, David was, was kind of that next in line. Um, but David had a whole life as a king too. So was his, uh, leadership just perfect um and and I think the bible kind of uh makes it clear that of course that's not the truth mm-hmm. um and we're going to show just a couple of uh two two specific examples um one from David and one from Saul and this will kind of set uh this will kind of set the groundwork for just our conversation going forward Sound good to you, Kimmy? Yeah, and then also I think it's good to remember like the title, How to Lose a Kingdom. And I think that's probably why he did focus on Saul because (laughs) Saul lost the kingdom. And we ourselves can be in the position of Saul. So let's get to it. So what's the first one you want to, what's the first example? And side note, you know what? We we can leave a uh, link in the description of the podcast, we'll leave a link to this message. Mm-hmm. You think? Yeah, I left it in the blog, and I, I actually, I don't think that I've ever given you guys that, um, that handle. But we'll our, leave a link. We'll leave a link. I make it easier. Yeah, yeah, and I left a link in the blog as well. Okay. Um, because it it it, it was phenomenal. Um, and it's something that I think, um, would come. You know, just the overall message come better from him but uh these are just the thoughts that it kind of stoked in in myself and in Kimberly talking to her she had some thoughts but um so again we look at Saul's characteristics we physically impressive impressive he was described as having a lot of humility but we fast forward in his in his reign into first Samuel 15 um and this is one three and I, and I will read this one. Um, it says Samuel said, and this is uh, NIV. And Samuel was, was a prophet, um, by the way, and if, just in case you don't know. So um, he's kind of giving all of these instructions out, the, uh, translating uh, for God, basically. And he's, he's talking to Saul. And Samuel said to Saul, I am the one, uh, I am the one, the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go and attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. So, Basically, Saul Samuel gives Saul God's instructions, and it it seems pretty specific. 
um, and pretty drastic. Uh, yeah, I'm saying kill uh, babies too. Yeah. I think um, even just stopping there for me, um, there are times where I'll get, you know, I'll, I'll feel like I'll see some instruction from God. Um, you know, I'll get something from the scripture, something from prayer. And, and sometimes it's kind of hard to understand it. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of hard to reconcile it. Like I can only imagine if I was there, you know, kill the babies, kill the livestock, kill the, you know, the women. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a lot, of, you know, a lot of times people talk about being Christians and following G like, I don't know what I would do if, if that was given to me, I can, I can say now, Oh, I would jump for it, but I don't know, man, that, that would be difficult. And I think there's a lot of stuff, uh, that God calls us to do that, that are, is kind of the same, you know, can be just as drastic. But anyway, um, it says that Saul summoned up the men and mustered them at Talium. Uh, he got, got 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 from Ju from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. Then he set, uh, said to the, Ken uh, the, Kenites, go away, leave the Amalekites, so they do not destroy you along with them, for you showed kindness to the Israelites when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed. Um, with the sword, but Saul in the army spared Agag and the best sheep and the cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy uh, completely, but everything else that was despised and weak, and weak, they totally destroyed. So we see a picture here that, um, you know, basically Saul didn't, he, he kind of used his own judgment in, in doing it. God told him to destroy everything, don't leave anything walking. And he kept the king alive and he kept the um, best sheep and calf and whatever else um, alive. So basically, you know, this is an example of him disobeying God. Yeah. And <clears throat> when... Um Samuel found out and he confronted him about it. You know, Saul, his response later on in the passage is like, he's passing the, <laughs> he's passing the blame because he's like, yeah, my soldiers, they, they, they kept, they kept it, you know, and they wanted to offer it up for, for sacrifice, which then Samuel, let's see if I can find it. What does he say here? 24. What is, yeah, he says, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? And then it says, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat rams. And that was what was used as one of the points um, that I have down is sacrifice is no substitute for your obedience. Um, <laughs> point blank period. God didn't tell you to do that. He told you to do one thing and one thing only, and you did not do that. 
So it doesn't matter. He don't, you can't appease him. You can't, you know, he told you to do that and he's expected obedience. And I think to myself, you know, how many times that God gives us instructions on something, something that we're supposed to do or something that we're not supposed to do. And we rationalize ourselves out of it. Well, okay, God, I'm not supposed to be hanging around this group of people, but you know, you still want me to seek and save the lost. Well, yeah, we're supposed to seek and save the lost, but if God has shown you that there's a group of people that you shouldn't be hanging with, or there's some type of sin that you need to do away with, why would you tell that line? You know what I'm saying? Why are you playing with fire? You know, um, God ain't going to be mocked because you really are mocking him like that. And that was a point as well. Like God ain't going to be mocked. Like, and so, you know, it's, it's comical as we read this passage, it's, it's comical. Cause it's like, when you see how Saul responds to Samuel and how he passes the blame, you know, like it's very clear when we read it, it's very clear what God wanted him to do. But he beelined all around what he was supposed to do and kept the choicier things, the things that were appealing. I'm in the NLT, it used the word appealing. You know, you just flat out didn't listen, bruh. You didn't listen. And that's basically what, 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 what Samuel told him. That's not what I told you. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, and in verse 24, we'll, we'll, so basically, um, like Kimberly said, after all that, he says, you know, God has rejected you as king. And and I think after that, Saul kind of gets it. And he's like, oh, man, you know, I messed up. What have I done? Yeah. <laughs> and, and he says, uh, and in verse 24, it says, then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have violate, violated the Lord's uh, command in your instructions. I was afraid. um, of the men. So I gave it to them. Now I beg you to forgive my sin and come back and worship with me. Um, so that I may worship, come back with me. I'm sorry. So that I may worship the Lord. Um, but Samuel told him, I will not go back, uh, with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you King over Israel. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of him, of, of the hem of his robe, and it tore. Samuel said to him, "Just uh, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today, just as and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that should change his mind." Saul replied, "I have sinned, but please honor me before the elders of my people and b before Israel." Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel went back with Saul, and Saul worshipped uh, the Lord. Uh, then Samuel said, Bring me Agog, king of the Amalekites. Agog came to him in chains, and he thought, Surely the bitterness uh, of death is past. But Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so will your mother be childless among women. And Samuel put Agag to death before the Lord at Gilgal. So, you know, I think the thing to look at here is his his reaction to it. Like you said, first he started blame shifting. And Mark really pointed out, um, you know, something that, that really jumped out to me was, you know, 
so first off, his reaction really was more about how everybody would look at him. His peers. Yeah, how are people going to look at me? Come back with me so, um, you know, in 24. At least honor me before the, the elders. Yeah. So I can worship the Lord. And you would think that, okay, now he's admitting that, okay, yeah, 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 I, I sinned, I sinned. And you're thinking, okay, here's his chance to make it right. But no, he, he's concerned more about what others are going to say about him than what God's going, what God thinks of him. And, and in verse, uh, 20, uh, what is it? In verse 30, it's funny. He says, so I may worship the, so I may worship the Lord, your God. And I don't think that that's like a, an accident, you know, it's kind of like worshiping God was the, the least of his, his concern in this, then during this period, it was like Kimberly said, it's just it's the elders making sure everybody is still on board with him. He ain't even thinking about the fact that God rejected him as King. No, He's thinking about, well, as long as these people accept me as King, then I'm still cool. Um, and, and we'll dig into that a little bit later, but um, so there we see we we see why Samuel is isn't listed as Saul. A man, I'm sorry, Saul isn't listed as a man after God's own heart. Um, but what about David? Um, you know, David becomes king not too long after. Uh, you know, they. David's path to, to becoming king is a lot uh, more difficult than Saul's. Um, you know, once David is is anointed to become the next king, uh, Saul, they go through a bunch of craziness with him and Saul. You got to read about it. Saul tries to kill him a bunch of times, and David is just continuously righteous in this. So kind of the same start, you know. Both of them started out, David displaying tons of humility, Tons of bravery, tons of like, really from a, from, from what people could see, he was, he was like the perfect choice, but I think he, the same as Saul, that's how Saul started, right? Um, and um, here goes, uh, if, if you look in uh, Samuel, Second Samuel, Second Samuel, yeah. I think it's chapter 11 when they start talking about Bathsheba, Bathsheba. and Uriah. Yeah. So um, I'm just going to give the, the uh, if you read 2 Samuel chapter 11 all the way through, and uh, I'm just going to paraphrase it now. Um, basically, um, David, uh, so, you know, they, they say that during the spring when all the kings go off to war, David kind of hung back. So he had this, uh, uh, I guess, top general or, or, you know, his main guy, um, Uriah, and uh, Uriah the Hittite. Um, and uh, he sends Uriah off to, and Uriah's leading the army. Um, and they're off conquering and, and doing the things that they do in the spring. <laughs> and David's back uh, in the kingdom kind of laid up and, uh, long story short, David, um, starts to, uh, develop just feelings for Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, and, uh, ends up sleeping with her, not just sleeping with her, but getting her pregnant. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. 
um, Uriah's wife is pregnant and Uriah is off at war. So David sends for Uriah to come back and um, with the plan to trick Uriah into sleeping with his wife so that, you know, it can kind of, he'll, he'll think that the baby is his. Um, but basically Uriah is like, no, nope, my men are sleeping in the field. So I'm going to sleep outside under the stars like my men are. I'm not going to sleep in a warm bed with my wife when, when my guys are out there and don't get the same. And so um, it, it foils David's plan. So David goes and uh, puts Uriah in a situation where he gets killed in battle. Um, puts him on the front line yeah. so he can kind of ensure that the right. man gets killed. And he's a leader, so that typically is not the case, right? Um, so ensures that he gets killed. So basically kills Uriah, and this is his guy, you know what I mean? This isn't just some rank-and-file soldier. This is his, his, you know, I don't know, best friend, but definitely somebody who he has a deep relationship with and who has sacrificed his life for David over and over and over and over again, who has put his life on the line for David over and over and over again, and also um, who was a very honorable guy. I mean, he had a chance to come and see his wife and he's like, no, my guys can't do it. So Uriah is a, a great guy. Even if David hardly knew him, he's Ooh, a great guy. That's like very honorable. Yeah. And, and he sets him up, you know, and gets him killed. Um, so, um, and it says something here that I didn't then think about as I was like kind of skimming over this again, you know, not only did he get, Uriah killed like he placed him in a place where the strongest soldiers of the of their you know their enemies were going to be so it's like there was a high chance that this man was going to get killed and then not only that it says that not only Uriah died but there were several other soldiers that died as well so like he sacrificed other soldiers in his army army to cover up his sin and he also I mean he wrote instructions to Joab to do this, like he he wrote instructions to a, a a soldier Joab, and it was like put him in the fiercest where the fighting's the fiercest, and then draw back from him, like retreat on him, so like he's stuck out there by himself, so he can definitely get killed. So he's he's pulling somebody else into his into his sin, and mm. it's making him so kind of the same thing, man. We're kind of looking at the same thing. He does something wrong, and he's more. Like he's he's just kind of concerned with how it looks, you know. Mm-hmm. Let me clean this up. So David is kind of hand in hand with Saul right now. I mean, what? Why and, is he the? <laughs> and then you know what though? Like when you compare these situations to what we go through now, clearly we're not soldiers and we're not fighting and stuff like that. But it's just that, just see how like sin can take you down just a rabbit hole, you know, like. I mean, like, they pull in, in all these extra casualties, you know? So, I don't know. I'm just thinking about that as we were just sitting here think, talking about it. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just I was just kind of thinking, like, sin does not just affect you, you know? <laughs> like, it doesn't. Like, with Saul, like, it's like both situations, other people are, like, affected by your choice, your choices. And... It's kind of like what, you know, what's that saying that they say, like, 
it's always good to tell the truth because when you lie, you have to tell another lie to cover up the, that lie and the lie gets bigger and bigger and it becomes a snowball. Well, that's what sin does. Like, look at all this chaos that was created. Like, all because he slept with a close confidant's wife, got her pregnant, and he's involving other innocent people and their lives, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it just, I'm just thinking about like us and our situations and when we sin, how it affects and hurts other people, you know, maybe our sin doesn't physically kill somebody, but we definitely take spiritual casualties as well. You know, I don't know, just a thought. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It it it's a dangerous situation and <clears throat> there are high odds even even for us. Um but um so just like Samuel came and, and rebuked Saul, um Nathan uh he was the prophet for them. Yeah, for him. David the prophet with David and he came and rebuked David. And um, he did it kind of slick, actually. Um, and this is in Second Samuel um, 11. I mean, Second Samuel 12, I'm sorry. Um, and you can read that whole thing there. But I'll, I'll kind of, he, he tells him like a, a parable. He tells him this story, I don't, and not even a parable. He tells him a story about, um, I'll read a little bit of it. Um, there were two, he, and this is Nathan talking to David. There were two men in a certain town, one rich, one poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe uh, lamb uh, he had bought. He raised it and he grew it up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now the traveler came to the uh, to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from uh, taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe that belonged to the poor man and prepared it uh, and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for uh, that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and he had no pity. <laughs> then Nathan said to David, you are the man. Uh, and Boom. <laughs> yeah. So he's basically telling what he did to Uriah. You know, Uriah is this poor man yeah. who has little, but he values what he has. And you, this rich ruler, has all these things, but you go and you take the little that this man has. And his honor, like all the things he takes, like his char good character, you take that from him. And you serve it up, you know, for your, for your guests, you know. And so here you are mad, but you the man. You, that, well, I'm talking about you, David. <laughs> so... Oh, I love the prophets. <laughs> I really love the prophets. They good. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, and then Nathan lays into him. And this the king, you know what I mean? Nathan really lays into him. And you, you again, you have to read it. But, um, and then he, he tells him, uh, 
you know, he gives him a couple of warnings. He says, you know, you struck down Uriah um, and you took his wife to be your own. So, you know, this basically you're going to always be at war. So we didn't even say that part. After he killed Uriah, he go and marry the he go marry his oh, yeah. wife and took the and raised the kid. Oh, the Bible is like a soap opera. I, yeah. I bet y'all didn't know this is the greatest book alive. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he and then he keeps on going. He he tells him about all the bad stuff that's gonna happen to him, um, to his family, and um, before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you, and he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then Nathan said to, uh, then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die, but because you did this thing, but because, well, I'm sorry, but because by doing this, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted, and he spent the night, uh, his nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. The elders of the household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still alive, was the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we tell him now that the child is dead? He may come to something desperate. Um, David noticed that the attendants were whispering among themselves, and he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. Then David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lo- uh, lotions, and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord, and he worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and he requested they serve him food, and he ate. His attendants asked, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. Uh, But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. He answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. Uh, I thought, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child uh, live. But now that that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I, I will go to him, but the Lord would not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her, um, made love to her, and he gave birth to a son, that they and, and they named him Solomon. Uh, so. Mark differences in responses. Right. And I think, I think something really important, I think at a high level, we could look at, 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 yeah, definitely mark differences in their responses, right? Ultimately. But I think d- even deeper, like if you compare these two people, like David did, if, if just, just, just on a blank canvas, just looking at both of their deeds, like David did way worse from a humanistic standpoint. If you're saying, what can you come back from as a person? What can you... What what could be the low that you could come back from and still, you know, get back on track? Um, not following God's instructions to a T. Still going to war, still doing those things, but not following them to a T. Or killing, uh, you know, cheating on your wife, having a baby, by oh, cheating on your wife with uh, the war heroes, uh, 
wife, getting her pregnant, trying to trick him. He doesn't fall for it. You get him killed. You murder him, basically. You make someone else. You don't go out there to do it, though. You have someone else involved in it. And then you marry the lady and, and uh, you know, all of these things happen. And then because directly related to your sin, you know 100% that this child died. This boy died because of you. Your child died directly related to your sin. Um, but we know that David was a man after God's own heart. So you think about which thing can you come back from? Uh, and I mean, I, I would think that Saul would have a better chance, right? Yeah. Yeah. By the world standards. Yeah. I mean, I think to me, uh, what is the scripture that says, I can't remember it and I may be misquoting this, but like it, it may be in, it's in Romans that God looks at the heart. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I think Romans does a good, good, great job of fleshing, fleshing that out. Um, but he looks at the heart and you can clearly see in those two situations, the heart of both men. Okay. So you got Saul here who was given specific instructions. You know, he had a great army. He was a great warrior and fighter and you like blatantly disobeyed. Like it was very clear. You're supposed to kill everything, like wipe this nation out and you don't. And even to add insult to injury, like you even reserved the king. Like, like that should probably have been the first person you killed. You know what I'm saying? Because the leadership, if the leadership is dead, the nation is going to crumble. At least that would be my reasoning. I'm like, that's the first person we about to kill is the king. You know what I'm saying? And the commanders and all these people that are in power. But you don't do that. You, that's very, to me, that's insulting that you would reserve the king. Not to mention all this other stuff that you were supposed to kill off. And then when you're confronted by it, there's not, there is no... There's no godly sorrow. There's worldly sorrow. And the Bible talks about godly and worldly sorrow. I believe that's in Corinthians where it talks about like the difference between like worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. And if I misquoted that, I really think that is Corinthians. But um, his, his sorrow was clearly worldly. He was still, even in the midst of all of that, like Melvin said, he wasn't even concerned that God rejected him as king. Like he's telling you like, okay, this kingdom is about to be torn from you. But all Saul could think about was that he still looked like king in front of all the people. So that's his heart. And then you got David's heart over here that yes, his sin by the world standard was probably could probably be like stacked up there worse, you know, but it's almost like it's very honorable how he handled it. Like, I mean, I think like I'm sitting here and just still, I've read this passage a lot and I'm still in amazement that like the, how he, like when he found out that his child had died, the way that he reacted, he picked himself up and was like, you know what, you know, perhaps God was going to save him for me. That's why I did all those things. I still worshiped God. I was, I did all of those things, but now he took him from me. And like Melvin said, you know that that child is dead because uh, directly because of what you did. 
Like, ain't no if, ands, or buts. But you know that's why that child is dead. And it's like he accepted that. He accepted his punishment and was like, okay, and I'm going to praise God. You know, and that's exactly what he did. Went to the temple and praised God. And and I'm sorry, but just last thing, it's almost like he said, you know, like, God is still God. Like, to me, I think that's kind of what his heart showed was that like at the end of the God, at the end of the day, God is still God and I'm still going to praise him because he disciplined me. And you know, we, the, the Bible also says we, you only discipline somebody who you love, you know? So I don't know. I can go on and on about this. You know, I think, and and I, yeah, I agree with all that. And I think, you know, we can look at these, these two people and I mean, it can almost be discouraging because it could be like, that's difficult. Right. But I think really this is a story of, of showing like, like there's no such thing as too much. Mm-hmm. Like it's no such thing as being too far or too broken for God to fix you. Yeah. Like if anybody was too broken or too fixed, I, I like to look at this in terms of like, you know, when we say people fall away or people, you know, we are so quick to write the book on people and on ourselves. I just for myself, you know, I can look at at sin or different things that I struggle with and I could get discouraged, man. Like and I'll put a lot of my my effort into like fixing the, the fixing the sin or fixing the character trait, like stopping this or starting that. Right. And, um, and, and I just get so surrounded with me, you know, how am I going to feel? And then even beyond that, like, how is this going to make me look, you know, if, if I'm in leadership, how's this going to make me look as a leader? You know, my, my, the thing that's pushing me to want to change or to repent is really more in terms of like my duty to people, you know, my yeah. duty as a leader, my duty as a husband, my duty as a father, like, how am I going to look doing ABC? Um, and then how am I going to be able to lead my family? And and to me, man, I don't see anything about David that is even concerned with any of that. It seems like his first thing, you know, first he wanted to be rectified, right? He wanted to make sure that you know, he wanted to do all he could do to kind of mitigate the damage of his sin, you know, in terms of like the kid, the the little boy dying. He wanted to try to, hey, man, I'm going to just give it a crack, you know. But but then after that, how many of us, I'll probably fall into depression, man. If I knew my daughter died because of my stuff, like anybody would. But I think the cool thing here. That, that we can see. And I think really the biggest difference we can see between these two is if you look in Psalm 51. And so I'm going to read this psalm and then we'll just chat a bit. Um, but this psalm is what David wrote. Um, this is kind of his response to Nathan uh, coming and calling him out about Bathsheba. And um, it says, uh, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, 
according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret in that sacred secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear the joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant with grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my savior, and my tongue will sing your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord. And my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not be will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous in burnt offerings offered whole, then bulls will be offered to your on your altar. Well, I felt like something that one of his responses that, you know, it, it parallels with Saul's situation. It says, you do not desire or delight in a sacrifice, or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. And wasn't that the, the thing that, Saul was trying to do quote yeah. unquote and and even you know I think just look at David man this is it this is it this is why David is a man after God's own heart David's full he 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 completely understood like it's you who I sent against you are who I sinned against not yes my son is going to die you know, because of my actions, but it's you who I sinned against. So whatever your judgment is, whatever your verdict is, is just. Mm-hmm. That didn't mean that David didn't still go and pray and try to change the outcome, but he came from it with the understanding that like, whatever you do, God is just, but, but please, please, please just don't keep me separated from you. You know, scriptures say sin separates us from God. It looks yeah. like David's only concern in this was being right with God, was being rectified to God, was being in communion with God, you know, being still feeling that in, that that same thing that led him to feel like he could take a a, a rock and sling it in a slingshot and, and defeat the giant. That same confidence that he had, 
it, it, he felt it going away from him and he, he wanted that. Like he yearned for that. So like you could, you think about like a man after God's own heart. And this is just my feeling on it. It's like David was a dude chasing after God. Like he, he was super flawed, super sinful. And the, his, his sensitivity to that sin didn't even seem like it was a moral sensitivity like this is right or this is wrong as much as it was a like oh my gosh man this this is this is taking me away from god you know this is getting me i i don't have the thing that makes me the most at peace the only thing that i gather peace and comfort from it didn't seem like he cared about his kingdom he cared about his his wealth his anything he was like face down like, I need to get right. I just need to be close to God. And the thing that's, that that brings me uh, comfort from that is, like, for all of us, that's all it takes. Like, for, like for the, I, I struggle sometimes, and I can get so discouraged when I'm trying to change something, and I'm just looking at this thing, and it looks like a big brick wall for me. Like, man, I can't get over this. And the, the thing is, man, is, is that's not what my job is. My job is to get close to God. And, and it says, like, like what happened after all of this? God blessed him with another son. And not just any son, Solomon, Solomon right? Solomon. Right. That was what came after it. But if David would have stopped right there, he never would have got to get his Solomon. And I think sometimes we are all on, like, I think sometimes we are just on the the cusp of greatness like a breakthrough right and we and it's and it happens like when we're in our worst spot and we're just you know we have struggled with the same sin we have you know stopped reading stopped praying we have gone away from god we have we're so far away from what we dreamed about um our, ourselves being and this is whether you are a christian or not man we, you you are always just a decision away. Like he, you're just a decision away. I feel like Saul and David were in the same spot. Uh, you know, in, in Saul, like, and I feel like, like God chose Saul. Yeah. So, you know, he wanted Saul to win yeah. just like he chose David and he wanted David to win. And he wanted to, God would have loved to have, he would love to for us to be reading Saul and David, two guys after God's own heart. So it's really down to us. You know, the only thing that we can control is to decide to go after God, you know. Yeah, I think um, that's a good point because both of these men, where they're similar as well, is that they had a choice to make. And again, encouraging you all to, to read these passages that we've given to you but if you read on in that first Samuel you then realize you didn't read the story of David slaying Goliath and stuff like that well after that right after that everybody's like cheering on David and stuff like that that is the beginning of Saul starting to become envious of David and it even gets to a point, I want to say the verbiage is kind of like when he sees that his, like Saul's daughter 
Mikhail, I think that's how you say it, Michael, she starts to like him and take an interest in David. It says like the, he, at that point he was at the point of no return, basically like he made that, he made a decision. And because he made that decision to go to the left instead of to the right, he was, that was his path. He chose his path, but where David, he chose to go right and God blessed it. You know what I'm saying? And so we all have this choice. We, we serve a God that has, that, that gives us free will, but you know, a point was made that God won't be mar- mocked, you know, after a certain time, you know, you don't want God to like be separate from you because like, we know that sin separates us from God. And as we learn, as we're learn, as we are in, living in our sin, we're keeping ourselves separated from him. And so like, I just really see like these men is exactly what Melvin said. Like God wanted, God chose Saul. <laughs> he chose Saul, right. you know, but he made his choice and we do, we can do that as well. We make our choice as well. And and I do want to point out something in particular. So like sin separates us from God, but uh, once you become, you know, so the difference between what we have now and what they had then was they had imperfect sacrifices. And we won't go into that right now totally, but I do want to make sure, you know, like we're even in a better position. Um, once you have become a, you know, a Christian, once you have come into the contact with the blood of Jesus and taken the, done the things that it takes to um, be uh, cleansed of your sin, well, then that's, that's no longer a, a thing. You know what I mean? There is no wall up between you and God ever again. Um, but we still have that same, it's, it's, we still have that same decision. So the part that sin plays for us now is still, it has the same thing. You know, it still separates us from God in a sense, because when we have like the more sin, the less focus and, and for and not just sin, the less things that we the less time we spend focusing on God the worse off we are and the less equipped we are to to for this life and to bounce back to make the decision like David did like we don't just have like just this superhero strength to bounce back and to come back from sin just as we as we wish I'm sure Saul, if given a choice, he would have definitely went the right route. But, you know, if we're not fighting to be close to God, if we're not men and women running after God's heart, then, you know, the likelihood that we will be successful in our overcoming of sin is is slim to none and none really at the end of the day when you find somebody who, who has left God, um, or who has, you know, just completely gone into a, just being worldly, it always coincides with them not going after God, like going after a relationship with God. I know people who have been reading their Bible every single day, praying every single day, doing all those things, but, but still end up checking out. And be, it's because God doesn't delight in 
burnt offerings. It's not, you're not reading your Bible for God. You're not praying for God. You're praying for you. You're reading your Bible for you so that you could get closer to God. Um, and you can understand what it means to have, and, and, the, the, I, and this is just how I feel. I feel like the more I understand what it means, let, let me put it in these terms. I love my wife. I can't even count how much more I love my wife today than what I did the day I said I do. And it is because, and, and honestly, I love my wife. I'll give you an example here. Over this past couple of months, you know, my dad is is suffering with uh, dementia. And they came, my parents came down here. And I got to see my wife pour into my parents. Number one, uh, not have any problem with my dad staying with us. Um, and then you know, just pouring herself out to, to help me to take care of my dad, also to spend time with my mom and to make sure that my mom, because uh, my mom is my dad's primary caretaker in that, and to make sure that my mom got some relief, you know, and it was, it, and it was important to her. And when I saw that in her, it just made me not only feel I, like I loved her more and I knew she loved and I understood her love for me more and I understood the valuable thing that I had and like I even became more protective of 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 what I have with her like I understood like man if I ever lost her I would have some problems you know there's no replacing her you no. know and you know, I put it in those terms because I feel like it's the same way with God. Like, I think us, our relationship with God, you read the Bible and you pray and you commune with God because the more and more and more and more and more you get to know about God, the more you can see how he's moving in our lives. The more things that yesterday may have just seemed like simple, simple things happening. Once you start to read the scriptures and you see these things were happening a thousand years ago, you'll see like this, this is God's hand. And then you become more and more dependent on God and you cherish that relationship. And then that's what drives you for everything else. That's what makes your heart broken and contrite. That's I, to me, I have to believe that's, that was what David felt like David spent all of those years. He could have just been fighting and, and being a shepherd and just thinking he was strong. But he spent all those years gaining an understanding of how God was critical to his success and to his happiness and to his existence. And he knew, like, I cannot lose this. It's like God is his best friend, man. I can't lose this. And so that's what drove him more than any um, moral, like any any type of, you know, because morality can fade sometimes, man. We feel more or less moral sometimes. But, you know, I may, I may, if it, sometimes, I may be out and a, a beautiful lady walks by and she's commenting, she's complimenting me and she's doing all the things to, you know, that would typically, you know, be something that I would like. And 
I could be morally weak, but the thing that would help me to prevail is like, man, at the end of the day, I know what I got at home and I know I cannot, I can't replace that. And I think it's the same thing with God, man. We just got to get to know God. And so anyway, I think that that's encouraging because we can have, you know, we're just that decision away from victory, you know, no matter where you're at, no matter how long you've been going through something, how weak and defeated you feel, you know, how it is just as simple as, you know, however much time you spend in trying to correct that thing, spend that much, if not more time, just fighting to get close to God, fighting to get a better understanding of God. And I think it'll, it'll work out. Um, one thing, this is a comment, and then I got a question for you, Melvin. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is a comment, and I want to, like, talk talk a, just a tad bit about, like, David's response and how, like, that mirrors how we respond as well. Because how many times have we, like, prayed for something, and God's answer was no? Do we have that response that David had and pick ourselves up, clean ourselves up, eat our food and go worship God? Like that, like when you were reading that, I was just thinking like, is that my reaction when God tells me no? Like when I'm praying for, like even the stuff we were talking about earlier, when I'm praying for myself to move out of my department, what? What if the answer is no? Or what if I don't get an answer? You know, am I still going to worship God because God is God and he's just and he's going to do what's best for me? You know, and I guess I pose that question for all of our listeners as well. Like, you know, think about the things that we've prayed about and the answer has just been no or it hasn't been favorable, you know? So I think that's a good thing because it's like, wow, that's why I said it's really honorable how he like responded, you know, even in the midst of his mess, it was honorable, you know, how he responded, like he picked himself up and he moved on. Like the Lord is still Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And then here's my question for you, Melvin, how you think you doing with chasing after God and being a, a man after God's own heart? Like, what is your your thermometer on that, and how are you doing it, or how are you trying to do it? Yeah, um, kind of like what we were speaking about yesterday. I felt really blah in 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 a lot of things. Um, I don't feel like right now I am I'm doing it really. Honestly, I think that I'm kind of just. Uh, sometimes it's going through the motions, you know what I mean? Where, you know, reading and praying and, um, and not really like digging into it to, to chase after God. <clears throat> it can almost be like a, a secondary thing in my, in my day, honestly. Um, and this is something I've been kind of going back and forth overall, you know, today, and even today, man, I've had some situations where I've been able to like, you know, man, I, I 
let me just take some time and get into the word. And then I just kind of this morning, just lay back down and, and get some more sleep. Um, <clears throat> but I think that this is, you know, for me, it, it's one of those times where, you know, I have to make that decision to, to really fight and go, go after, you know, not just be mediocre because I can look around and kind of the same thing with Saul, you know, look around and feel like, you know, it's all good, you know, just in terms of comparing myself to other people and, you know, how I may appear. But, um, you know, in all reality, I know that I have struggled with things have been harder for me than, than they typically would be if I were just really going after it like I could be. And, and it's weird because we're studying David. And like I said, man, this is my guy. You know, I, 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 the typical Melvin would be super excited about studying about David and, and, you know, really picking it apart and, you know, just getting into it. You know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, I, 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 I'm kind of going through like a, a rough patch and where it's hard. And I know that that that's part of life, you know, is, is pushing, but I do think that there's more that I can, can be doing. You got some ideas of what you want to do to remedy that? Um, I, I think just don't be lazy spiritually, you know, um, when I have those times to make those decisions, decide not to be lazy. I think, you know, initially you were going to come up here and just do a podcast. And, uh, you know, I could have just, I had a decision, you know, am I just going to hang out? I go watch TV or go to sleep or, you know, had a, a thousand different reasons to just kind of be lazy. Um, and I decided not to. I decided against that. You know, this is something that God blessed me with um, insight onto this. Um, and, and, you know, being able to have studied this a lot before and, you know, definitely put something on my heart. I need to get up here and do it. You know, so I'm just going to take it decision by decision, you know. For me, is when I'm faced with those decisions, where it's be lazy or put in the effort. Um, I'm gonna put in the effort, and you know, on top of that, be in prayer that that turns from just putting in the effort, you know, as a as a task to check off, and it turns into. You know, I just get inspired by in mm. in and can, you know, have it have it be correct. Um, but you know, until then I just don't wanna be don't be lazy. Yeah. You know, sometimes you don't it's don't be lazy, get into it and, and go after it and just trust that God will I mean, even while I was reading that psalm man, I kinda was feeling you know, feeling inspired, like feeling like and yeah, this is it. That's all I got to do. You know, it's just, yeah. yeah. And that's why I said, man, David, I just really relate to David. I feel like he, 
it, obviously he he had peaks and valleys and the thing that was consistent is his catalyst to change was his understanding of how crucial it was to be close to God. And if I could have anything, that's what I would want. Mm. Like not not uh, driven by trying to be pious or trying to be perfect or trying to look perfect or even to myself trying to seem perfect, like mm. trying to seem, you know, I always have this thing in my job is like, my motivation to work hard is when I look, I want to look in the mirror and say that I did a good job. But that doesn't cut it because there's a lot of times where that morally I don't care to do a good job. I just want to get out of there. But when I make that connection and I'm spurred on by wanting to be close to God, I feel like for me that's that's how I've that's when I've done my best spiritually is when I really have fought for that yeah I think for me this podcast has definitely been one of the things that has helped me to stay connected because I really take it serious this platform that we have and I don't want to put any information out there that is not true (laughs) So that makes me, that catapults me into like looking up stuff and, you know, I'm, I'm a student by heart anyway, so I like to read and I like to look up stuff and I have questions naturally, but it's like when I, you know, when I, when I sit down and I prepare for these episodes, like I'm like taking like detailed notes and it's helping me to, it's like I'm inspiring myself as I'm trying to inspire you guys, you know? And so it's, it's helping me like, you know, yeah, we're speaking to you guys, but I'm really speaking to myself, you know? (laughs) So, so, and I've been really just trying to pray for the spirit to just lead us with content, you know? And, you know, I, I, you know, I don't want to not feel like the spirit doesn't have I don't want to, I want the spirit to have its hand on everything, you know? And so when the feeling hits, like, okay, this should be a, you know, this should be an episode. That's when I go after something. So, you know, and I think that's probably why, I I guess that, I guess Melvin, you can answer this too. I mean, like, that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast, you know, to be able to have outlets like this, to flesh all these things out and, um, so, anyways, you got anything else before we close up? No, I think that's it. Um, okay. Yeah, okay. you guys can definitely be in prayer for uh, all I miss, all our craziness, <laughs> and I hope that um, you know, at the end of the day, you see that <clears throat> we're just flawed people, man, and we're trying to, you know, doing this podcast, we're trying to figure out things ourselves. You know, we're just going through the scriptures trying to figure out stuff um, and trying to apply it to our lives. Um, by no means are we experts or, or anything like that. But, um, you know, we just hope that that you can kind of, we, we make it, it, we make it very evident. I hope that we make it evident that, that, um, you know, we're just working along here. So, you know, we want to be vulnerable with you guys and, let you know what we're going through 
Um, but also, you know, from this episode in particular, I really want everybody to to really go back and look at these scriptures and and really, man, walk away with a feeling of hope, man. If if you guys, you know, some of y'all maybe, you know, Kim right now is, is rocking it, you know, um, and that may be some of you. You may be rocking it right now. You may be really, you know, you know, catching your stride your relationship with God will cling on to that man because now you're fueling up because there's always going to be ups and downs or you may be like me where right now man I am just I'm just kind of clawing you know just trying to I'm just clawing you know trying to hold on and 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 get out of a, a lurch and just and just start growing um and I can read these scriptures and take hope you know I can feel nothing but confidence in the power of God to to let everything that I go through be for a reason and you know make victory all the sweeter but um yeah I guess that's it all right sign us all there off there boo yeah and so again we just want to thank you guys for coming along with us and listening to us yet another episode and we will catch you later this is the positive soul uh, the soul sense podcast i'm not going to delete that either (laughs) and this is melvin and kim thank you bye-bye